0: Please teach us why we get baptized, and please teach us, Lord, how we can use this lesson to build our faith in you as we walk for you, Lord. We ask this morning that you be glorified in all that we do, say and think, and may your people be edified according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, Ratch, will you check the thermostat for me? It might have gone back to, um, might have turned off off again. Uh, I don't want anyone to get cold. Uh, okay, a few quick points. Point number one regarding baptism. By the way, we're studying baptism at Sunday school, so please come to Sunday school. It's only 45 minutes from 10 to 1045. And if you believe that, I have a bridge I would like you to sell To sell you. Uh, we try to get done at 1045, you know, but uh, we try to get close as possible. So please come. If you like a book, we have books. So here's point number one. Baptism is one of the two ordinances of the church, okay? Here's one that we're going to be observing here very shortly, which is called, we call it communion. It's also called observing the Lord's table. Uh, It's also called partaking in the elements or the body of Christ. So this is one of the things that the Lord uh, instituted while he was here on earth in the flesh. In the book of Luke, Uh, he observed it near the end of his life. Luke 22, he instituted what's called the Lord's table, or the Lord's supper. That was one of the ordinances of the church. An ordinance means that it is a a policy. It's a rule. It's a principle, a practice that the Lord put into place for us to observe. You all with me? So we're to observe this. matter of fact, he said, as often as you do this, right, as often as you do this, you should do it in remembrance of me. There's one other thing that he said that we should do. And he said that that is that we should be baptized. So baptism and communion are two ordinances. Those are two staples. Those are two tent poles of the Christian faith. We observe baptism in water. We observe taking the Lord's table. Amen. Let me just say this regarding baptism before we get too far. Two things that I personally do not subscribe to. I personally do not subscribe to infant baptism I'm not going to get into it. If you want to hear more about it, see me. I'll send you some scriptures. Secondly, I do not subscribe to sprinkling. Am I crazy dogmatic about either one? Probably not, but I will say I'm probably more dogmatic about infant baptism than I am about sprinkling because there kind of, kind of sort of is a passage in Ezekiel chapters 35 and 26, I believe, that talks about sprinkling of water as a form of quote-unquote, pre-New Testament baptism or pre-New Covenant baptism. But be that as it may, infant baptism I'm definitely against because I think baptism should be something that follows a person making a profession of faith. Amen? So I don't think an infant, you know, even baby Einstein couldn't accept Jesus while he was still an infant. Uh, I think that needs to be done closer to whatever the uh, age of accountability is. So those two ordinances are are, are commanded by Jesus. Here's the next thing I want to next point I want to make. Believe it or not, baptism existed prior to the New Testament. It existed prior to John the Baptist. Actually, baptism existed way back in the Book of Exodus and Leviticus. Yes, baptism. The, the word, the Hebrew word that, that was used, was a word similar to the word bathe, where a priest, especially a Levitical family member of the high priestly family of the Levi, would bathe prior to performing his rituals in terms of preparing the sacrifice for the various feasts and the the, the, uh, the various rituals that they would do for cleansing and purification. So the priest would actually bathe. The word bathe there is the word that we use in English for baptize. It's the verb form of the word in Greek, which is baptizo, B-A-T, or B-A-P, T-I-Z-O. Baptizo is the word for baptism, which means to submerge, immerse, to, as we say, dunk, you know, dip, dodge, dunk. Okay, that's another subject. But so, yeah, so absolutely, uh, the whole point of uh, baptism is to be submerged underwater. It's symbolic of it's symbolic of the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But so there was baptism that was done in the Old Testament, looking forward to the baptism in the New Testament, the New Covenant. John the Baptist baptized. That's the next point I want to make. And by the way, Jews that people that were Gentiles that wanted to be proselytes or converted to Judaism, they would have to be baptized to convert to Judaism. That was part of the practice. For baptism or conversion was that they were baptized in water. It was a it was a form of changing from one uh, from one type of uh, faith to another. So from becoming a pagan to becoming a Judaism Judaism, you would get baptized in water. It it basically portrayed a transformation. Uh, so that practice took place even before John the Baptist. John the Baptist wasn't the first guy that baptized. Other people baptized before him. But John the Baptist was the first person to baptize unto repentance. John's, the Baptist, John's baptism was about repentance. It was about, about being contrite. Here's what it says in Acts 19. And he said, into what then were you baptized? This is uh, Acts 19.3. They said, we were baptized into John's baptism. And Paul said, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So listen, John said, hey, I'm going to baptize you guys in water. But let me say something to you. There's nothing magic about the water. This baptism is actually pointing ahead, pointing forward, to Jesus who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The real baptism was always about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what does something. The water gets you wet. The Holy Spirit gets you saved. <laughs> the water gets you wet. The word of God is what cleanses you and the Holy Spirit is what keeps us. So the purpose of water baptism was the point, it was a type and shadow of things to come, which was baptism by the Holy Spirit, and fire is the word that's added in Matthew. We'll talk about that maybe another time, but but actually the fire we've kind of addressed because it's really, theologians differ, but my thinking is, is that it's referring to judgment, the fire that's coming at the end for those that are not born again. So John the Baptist, was preaching repentance, and he was baptizing, telling people to repent. And when they would get baptized, that was as far as they could go at that point. It wasn't a baptism of conversion. It wasn't a baptism of the Spirit. It was a baptism of repentance. Okay? So now enter Jesus, Matthew 3. So Jesus is just getting started. He's been a baby In in Bethlehem, his escape to Egypt, he was a little boy at the temple asking and making comments and questions to the high priests and elders, and we don't hear about him for 18 years. And now, boom, he's 30 years old, and the first thing we learn about Jesus is that he wants to get baptized. So you know what? I think baptism is important. If it's the very first, before he turned water to wine, before he walked on the water, before he raised Lazarus from the dead, before he raised the the widows of Nain's son from the dead, Jesus got baptized. So he came to Matthew. I'm sorry, he came to John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3. And he said, hey, cuz, seriously, he could have said that. I mean, it was his cousin. John was six months old. I mean, you know, he was, it was his literal biological cousin. He could have said, hey, cuz, what's up? I need to be baptized. I'm just giving you guys the 21st century version of that conversation. John said, cuz, dude, what's up? You can't, I can't baptize you. You're the son of God. You need to be baptizing me, right? Jesus said, Ah, I know, I get it, but I need you to just do me a solid. Baptize me. It's going to fulfill righteousness. It's going to be what God the Father wants you to do, wants me to do. And so Jesus submitted himself to John to be baptized. What is baptism? The Greek word I told you, baptismos is the noun form. The verb form is baptizo, which means to be submerged, immersed, dipped, dunked in water, as far as I can tell. And very simply, it's an outward testimony. It's, it's basically like a wedding band. I've used this example countless times. It just says, I'm married to Jesus. I'm married to the body of Christ. I have committed my life to him. We are one. It's basically a marriage certificate. It's saying that I'm owned by somebody else. I'm under the possession of another person. I am not my own person. I belong to someone else. And so baptism basically stated that I have identified, listen listen to this, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says I'm identified. I agree with that. And symbolically, I'm buying into that. I'm standing up, I go down, I come up. And and basically that represents three things. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. You tell me baptism is important. It is important. I know the churches today, this is 21st century stuff, probably a first world issue. Western churches especially. Baptism has kind of been subordinated. People don't baptize anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, there's all kinds of new, I, I call it, you know, there's California Christians and then there's the rest of us, but that's not really true. <laughs> I mean, there is the Midwest, even the Bible belt. I mean, baptism has just been, Kind of push aside. I I was noticing. I I looked at some architecture of churches that are being built. Not that we're planning on building a church, although that'd be nice. Anybody want to donate a couple million dollars? We'll just erect a four-wall building, nothing fancy. You know, keep it simple. Uh, And so I was looking at these churches, and I'm noticing. Listen to this. I'm noticing how many new churches are being built today without a baptistry. When I was a kid growing up. I mean, a storefront had a pool. (laughs) When you start, when you talked about building a church, the first thing you think about is a: we need a pulpit, and B: we need a baptismal pool. I don't care if it's a tin bucket. You you know, I preached down in Mississippi before, and I seen these these uh, tin. I, I preached at this one church. They had this big tin like tub and uh it was like maybe like a, a drinking trough for horses or whatever but but that was their baptismal pool you got can you guys envision what i'm saying? nothing fancy nothing pretty you know galvanized metal you know just that's what they, it was always present every church i'd go to i don't care whether it was methodist pentecostal presbyterian baptist they had a baptist street and now churches have gotten away from baptizing people Don't let anybody tell you that it's not necessary. No, if I'm gonna be totally honest, do you have to be baptized to get to heaven? I'm gonna say probably not, because I don't wanna interfere with the work of grace, according to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But if you can be baptized, I think you absolutely, listen, listen, the Ethiopian eunuch was hanging out with Philip. You can read this in Book of Acts. I'm just gonna paraphrase it for you because I'm running out of time, and we got to do the Lord's table. But the Ethiopian eunuch was, he said, Philip, hey, man, I don't understand this. Will you break it down to me? And so Philip explained it to him, right? And so they passed this little, I don't know, puddle, pool, oasis in the desert. Philip said, hey, look, there is some water. What hinders me? What's stopping you from baptizing me right now? I'm ready, dude. I'm ready. Put me in the game, coach. I'm ready. Hey, baptize me right now. And so philip says sure they stopped the chariots and i believe possibly the first black man in scripture was baptized right there in jesus name in acts chapter 8 by philip the apostle because baptism is important amen amen baptism says i'm down with jesus Baptism says, "I'm down with the work of salvation." Baptism says, "I believe in the death and burial and resurrection, and I have just a plethora of scriptures that support it." But I won't get into it because time won't allow me. But if you have my notes, I'll be glad to send you my copy of the notes, which are a little more involved than your copy because I kind of, you know, condensed it, and and you kind of have the uh, Cliff Notes version of the notes because it's some reset. You've given us too much information. So you, you guys sort of have uh, an abridged and a, <laughs> <a> version. <laughs> She's busting at me now, y'all can't hear. But you guys have an abridged version of the notes, but it's all good. So, you know, Sister Mary favors, I love her, because she used to say, Pastor Will, can you, actually, can you actually give me the notes that you teach from and not the notes that you pass out? So Mary gets, I don't know if you guys saw this uh, episode of Seinfeld, Mary gets the real, the real notes, y'all get the placebos. <laughs> but hopefully it works. <laughs> okay, so Ethel, we say, well, Abby to Abby to that list. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm with you. So check this out: baptism. I, I'm almost done. So water baptism. I said that it, it represents us being identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I quoted for you Acts chapter 8 when Philip baptized the uh, eunuch, and I think that's a, a beautiful account. You guys should read it. So here's what Peter said about it. Peter says, Baptism, this is 1 Peter 3 1. I don't know if this is in your notes, uh, but you should make a note of this. 1 Peter 3 1 says this Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's really good stuff there. Matter of fact, here's what I think. The next time I do a baptism, and if someone wants to accept the Lord and be baptized, we can't baptize you today, but we can baptize you next week if you want. We have access to a church, and we have access to a pool, which I can bring in here. Here's what I'm going to read. I'm going to read Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Watch this. It says, do you know, this A person standing here, I'm getting ready to baptize him or Rod or Reg. Uh, we're going to read this. Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, watch this because I'm almost done, were baptized into his death. I'm reading right from scripture. Okay. It says, we were buried there. By the way, let me just say this. And I told this, I shared this with Marie the other day, and I'm confounded by this. The Bible, people have been saying that the only thing that's important, I don't know if you've been reading some of the recent blogs or literature or books that are out, people are always referring to Jesus' death and resurrection. They'll say the death and resurrection of Jesus. People are kind of skipping that middle step. People are skipping talking about the burial people talk about the death people talk about the burial i'm sorry the resurrection but they're not talking you don't see a lot of information or literature or coverage or reference to the burial okay i'm i'm offended by that that's right i'm being hypersensitive about the burial because without the burial Let me tell you two things without going into a deep dissertation on it. Two reasons the burial is critical. A, the burial confirmed that Jesus had in fact died on the cross because there were conspiracies that he was in a swoon, that he was in a coma, that he he blacked out, that he blanked out, that he wasn't totally dead, that it was a hoax conspired by the Jews and the apostles. So this whole concept about the, the, the death was, was, under, was under a cloud to somewhat of controversy. So the burial was important because he had to be buried in order to be resurrected. That's one reason the burial is important. Here's the other reason the burial is important. The burial is important is because Jesus said, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, For three days and three nights, y'all with me? So will the Son of Man be in the earth, right? It was prophesied. It's critical. It's almost like the Lord said, I wanna make sure that there are no shenanigans, that there is no disinformation or misinformation surrounding my death. Jesus died on the cross. Evidence by the fact that he was buried. Evidence by the fact that he was resurrected. And I and, I, and I'm, I'm making a big deal about that because Paul made a big deal about it. Okay, and and I defer to Paul. Paul says we were buried therefore with him. Watch this by baptism into death. Why? In order that it's amazing how he's just answering all the questions. He's given us the what, the who, the how, and the why. All he had to do was say this was done in Jerusalem. He would have covered all five questions. But he says, we were baptized. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. I'm just going to quit right there and give you the Monday morning moment. I I have more, but I'm going to just defer to the better judgment of stopping right now and just shut it down. I just think that's, I think Romans 6, of all the scriptures to me that covers baptism, ladies and gentlemen, Romans 6, Romans 6, just really, as it relates to water baptism, is just a complete, it's just a—it's just a complete statement. It is—it is the penultimate statement, um, the the ultimate statement on baptism, that we should be submerged into water and we come up, that we might walk in the newness of life. So here's my Monday morning moment. My Monday morning moment is baptism should be the beginning of a life. Baptism should be the beginning of a life that is being washed by the word of God. Baptism should should be the beginning of a life that is being washed daily. Washed daily by the word of God. And here's where I get that from. John 15, 3 says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. That's how we're clean, by God's word, not the water. You can go down a dry devil and come up a wet devil if your heart's not right. Paul goes on to reiterate in Ephesians chapter 5 that we might sanctify and cleanse it, that is the body, with the washing of water by the word. The word cleanses us. And if that wasn't enough, David said it way back in Psalms, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking... There thereto, the word of God. It's just amazing. Sister, Sister Annie, yes, ma'am. Yeah, yes, ma'am. That was, uh, the washing of the world was John 15, 3. John 15, 3. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And who knows, Jesus could have been hearkening back to David, who says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? Not by better behavior, not by better conduct, Not by, you know, going through a a bunch of rituals, but by taking heed to the word of God. Amen? That's how we're clean. Lord, we just ask that your word will clean us this morning. Clean our minds, our hearts, our thoughts. Help us to have a better attitude toward you. I know baptism is not a subject that we often think about, but it is critical because it's one of only two ordinances of the church. And Lord, we ask that we be obedient to that ordinance. We ask, Lord, that you teach us the importance of baptism, not so much the act in terms of the water, but the act in terms of our obedience to your word, being baptized in Jesus' name, being baptized according to your word, being baptized according to scripture, letting the word of God permeate our hearts that as believers we're baptized and that we walk and live to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen.